Cradleine Network. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox. This is the 277th episode of Space Spinner 2000. <laughs> a podcast for two Americans trying to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for July and August 1993, progs 844 to 847. I'm this time sorry we're- for everybody who read it. It's a tough time. We're rolling forward with the spring offensive as Maniac 5 executes and is executed. Really and truly hit the road. The Slaughter Bowl begins. Big Dave starts a new adventure. And an old enemy returns to Judge Dredd. You know, Conrad, we had... Uh, we <laughs> we have conversations outside of this podcast. It's true. Um, man, oh man... I like I get it. Summer offensive, summer offensive. That's all I have to say. Yeah, it's tough though, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> and if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd: The Complete Case Files 19 and 2000 AD Extreme Edition 23. And oh that's it. boy. Okay. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's talk about these comic books that uh, you forced me to read in the That's compound right. that you have me trapped in. Absolutely. Yeah, listen. You can't leave until we finish the podcast, Vox. All right? When will we finish the podcast, Conrad? I don't know. The future, That's I guess. That's not good enough. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, we're less than halfway done. <laughs> It's like the emphasis here is on less. No, we're... I mean, we're more than halfway to halfway done, you know. What the fuck? That's the same thing. No, it's not. It's, you know, more than 25%, but less than 50. I would prefer 100%, and then everything gets better from here, please. Thank you. Sorry. As far as I can tell, this one's going to be a smooth... uh, 37.5. 37.5. It's anyway. like touching an eel. So I know all about that, but at the <laughs> Eel Festival. Thrill one, Judge Dredd. No eels. No eels in Judge Dredd. Unfortunate. Script about Grant Morrison, art about Color Sascara, letting robot Tom Frame. Ah, oh, geez, Fox. Renegade judges from the prison moon of Titan are attacking Mega City One with the help of some deadly space gas. It's terrible. We, we gotta shoot some judges across Absolutely. multiple orifices. Yeah, we see a judge wander out of the smoke coughing, and the evil Judge Grice and his buddies cruelly execute him. Elsewhere, Lady Judge Machado calls into control for assistance, but gets sniped by some other convicts, and they call her a a, a bitch judge, Fox. Which uh, you and they know. say bitch a fair amount in the course of this story, which is terminology I'm not a huge fan of, well, I guess. And, Be- well, and here's the thing: like, even if we were go, we were to go very literal. Mm-hmm. A bitch is a dog in heat that is ready to produce more puppies. I thought it was just a female dog. It is. But if you're going explicitly for when you say the bitch is in heat, right? Or 
etc. Like you're you're looking at like they are breeding more law dogs, but they're not. Hmm. It's just a woman. So yeah, they are I think just, it's just a way to refer mean. to a woman uh, uh, disrespectfully. Yes. <laughs> In other words, yeah, they're they're horrible people. And it doesn't seem like a crew that's really into the ins and outs of dog care, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm just saying that there's a reason that they were sent to whatever fucking moon they were sent yeah, to. Yeah, Titan. All the crimes, for sure. Also, I just prefer future swearing, you know? I don't know. Gruds and drocks and so forth. A biatch. Mm-hmm. So it seems that the ship that hit the Hall of Justice may have fried its electrical systems with its atomic reactor, and that has disabled, like, some ventilation things and allowed the meat virus to get in. So... And all... Oh, good. So I've got some problems, Conrad. Mm-hmm. Last comic, right? It's a yeah. completely they defensible said, position. Doesn't matter what anybody does. Everything yeah, is it's, fine. It's not going to collapse. But it does seem like that um, an EMP from the ship's reactor has hurt their electrical systems, I guess. The virus is getting in. The psychics are, defect- are detecting its malign intention. And then they get a call uh, from the ju- or oh, from the uh, renegades telling Magruder that they're holding Ch- uh, Judge Osterwald hostage. They've got demands. They, they show you too. She's like yeah. chained to multiple cycles. Yeah, bikes. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Dread said. Yeah, they have demands, but Dread says no deal, and that Osterwald knows the rules. And then we cut to a lot where, like you say, Grice has another lady judge, Osterwald, tied to four lawmasters. And after some final taunting and a probably fake offer to join his cause, he has her disrupted by the bike, by the bikes, which I learned is the official term for when you have like four horses at Cardinal Point, you know, tied to a person's leg and run in opposite directions or to their limbs and they run in opposite directions. I I will say points to Carlos Escara because it's so easy to show the violence in Judge Dread, right? Like we've seen mm-hmm. brains splattered against walls. Sure. Or, or see it here. lady lady or judges eviscerated. Right? Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter, man or woman. Um not seeing it, I think, is the more gruesome aspect. Uh, mm-hmm. which is what's done here with Grice. Yeah, they cut away so you can it's left to your imagination for sure. So Dredd recognized the voice on the call and gets Magruder to explain what's up. And she admits about the Grice stuff. An army of former judges coming to the city is pretty terrifying. And even worse when we know that they have an extremely deadly viral weapon. Which Everyone's is what's in- alluded to from the chief judge. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's what we got. Uh, uh, Magruder explains it. Yeah, everyone's infected. They'll start showing symptoms in about an hour or so. Um, and it'll take hours to get the Hall's defenses back online. And, but Grice won't give them that time. He taunts the judges <laughs> and then comes crashing into the side of the building with one of those sweet striped Iscara H wagons. The convicts have breached the wall and begin to slaughter sleeping or injured judges. It's a bloody pandemonium. Kill them all. I, uh, so what I appreciate about this and what I won't weigh into for the rest of this is that mm. Magruder is like, look, here's everything that you need to know. You didn't need to know it beforehand. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, no, there they, is there's definitely secrets in the single, Justice Department. There's not a single blink, not a wink, not anything. They're like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, you made a flesh bomb from alien technology. It's fine. Moving on, we need to I deal mean, with you this know, problem. Yeah. I mean, once you know, you know. But, like, whatever. The Justice Department, they're up to some shit. We all know it. That's all clear. That's what I like about this is that it's it's... There is no moment of like, oh, well, but this is wrong. Even though we have nah. this like psychic character that's just come in. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I think there's they know that, that there's they're, no they're kind of the baddies, you know? Well, that's <laughs> exactly what I mean. It. It's like there's no pause about the fact that this weapon exists. Mm-hmm. It's just like, okay, well, we've got to deal with it. And that's it. Yeah. And like, you know, frankly, like... Building it as a deterrent and trying to create more brinksmanship and reasons not to attack Mega City One, to me, seems necessary just when you look at the decade they've had <laughs> from yeah, exactly. the Apocalypse War in 1982 to today in 83 when this was happening, you know? Exactly. It's It, yeah. it feels believable, is I suppose what I am trying to get across. Yeah, Definitely. So things are getting bad in the Hall of Justice, especially as the rebels have started pumping that viral gas through the air vents. Magruder has no choice but to sound the siren and evacuate the Hall of Justice. The law ain't a building, but they can't let Grice gain the fighting bodies of all the body of all the folks and the all the prisoners in the ISO cubes. So Dread makes the order, and oh, the cubes are all them. flooded, killing everybody in there, even if they're just uh, serving a, a small time for a parking offense it's nuts i like as soon as i saw that because it's just given one panel where it's like Mm -hmm. oh well we need to flood the cubes and then we see one person who is going to drown and there's countless people in that oh you know there's a lot of people in those cubes buddy for sure or like i i peed on the outside of my house but not where i was supposed to be and that person is now dead it's It's hard out there it's great um (laughs) Totally. But that's not even the best thing that happens in this episode. So the judges come out of the Hall of Justice next to the Ed Ball block, who's the English singer-songwriter. They're about to be ambushed by some rebels. And then... Suddenly, Judge By God Hershey appears (sighs) and machine guns the convicts down. She kills them all. She may now be my new heartthrob. I don't know. She's just... Hershey's great. She's so great. She's just all... She's the better Judge Dredd in a lot of cases. (laughs) So the crew... So this uh, judge crew then gets beamed up into a passing H-Wagon and fly to safety. Magruder explains the meat virus. The first symptoms are nausea, vomiting, and disorientation. After a few days, you get painful sores, and two weeks later, you grossly die. You gotta get the antidote before then, and they don't have any. I mean, it's like you get a month and a half of suffering, and then you die. I mean, so, I think two weeks or so, but yeah. Well, it's I not, mean, that's not the thing. Great. She's like, listen, in between you dying and all the suffering happening, just get the antidote. It's fine. Yeah. Come on. Back at the Hall of Justice, Grice walks through the smoking corpses of judges to the chief's throne. He declares himself chief judge as the other convicts whisper that he's clearly gone crazy. Dreams can come true. 
outside Dreams the walls of the city. Dreams can come true. Something, something. I'm with you. you know, <laughs> Could happen to you. Yeah. Could happen to you're, you. Thank you. If you're a judge at heart. Outside the city, the judges are making plans. They're regrouping there in the cursed earth. Her- Hershey looks around but sees that Magruder is gone. And Janice spots her riding back into the city and reads her mind, as does Judge Baji, who talks about Magruder's sense of duty and discipline, warring with her guilt about being responsible for all of this with her harsh treatment of Grace and the other prisoners. I do, um, I do enjoy this kind of... Um insight mm. right with a character that we really haven't seen all that much who shaved her head and is happy that she shaved her head etc <laughs> she's got psychic powers you know well but like she's well yeah hair anyway. gets in the way of the psychicness we all know it <laughs> beautiful so she's heading in there. Yeah, uh, she's going. She's going to try to make amends, but Dred's going after her. He leaves Hershey in charge because Dred's got things to do. Janice and Baji discuss the sire, the sire, the dire state of affairs as various judges ready weapons and vehicles outside the city walls. Everybody's got fleas, and Janice isn't feeling good, despite rolling around a tree of Tibetan healing balls in her hand. Oh. <laughs> Deep she's in the mag, she's yeah. happy that she doesn't have hair because everybody has <laughs> yes, fleas hair and, stuff. and fleas. I mean, this is the thing: is that like even going into this time, you're watching the chief judge get the shit beaten out of her. Yeah. Well, but before that, deep in the mag, in in the big mag, a pair of Titan rebels claim to be judges and prepare to execute a citizen. He offers them all he's got, but instead they just get gunned down by Judge Dredd passing by, who also gives the man six months for attempted bribery. Then he pukes all over the place because he's got the bug. He's got the flu. He's got to get that flu shot, bud. Get your booster. Mm, microchips. If yeah. I, don't, I don't know if this is coming out at the right time. Get your booster shot. It's, you know, certainly reasonable. Meanwhile, Magruder's on her knees before Grice, and he's clearly been beating her up and calls her a bitch again. Lady Rebel Bundy offers to take care of her, but Grice has better plans. On the city wall above the judge's camp, Grice, is, uh, Grice taunts these law people, then sends a lawmaster blasting off the side of the wall, and it crashes, Call and they find Mr. Magruder's law. body in the wreckage. And it, this, uh, this motorcycle definitely has the lady I don't like. I beat her up a lot. Now she's coming down uh, yeah. the express. So she's dead now. I guess she's not dead now, but whatever. No, she's she's alive but severely injured, although maybe Grace doesn't know that. He says that that all these judges are just cursed earth scavengers now. The chief judge is dead. Long live the chief judge as he reveals that he's wearing the chief's chest plate under his clothes. He's wearing it like a title belt, which I appreciate. Pretty, Pretty much. It's around the tummy, yeah. you know? Yeah, tummy, lord, yeah, that kind of stuff. Long live the lord of misrule. His monologue's cut off, though, because goddamn Judge Dredd is there. Yeah, he's like, hey, listen, I got this nipple badge. I want to tell you that you're not good. Grice is stoked about this, too, because he's been waiting to show down with Dredd once more. I hate the nipple badge. <laughs> it's okay. Dredd and Grice square off. I'm taking you in. But Grice isn't impressed and has his henchwoman Bundy attack Dredd to take his lawgiver. So Dredd's- is there is there oh, ever a reason that they explain his weird golden gauntlet? 
Who dreads? No, Grace's. Grace. So Grace has. I think he just picked up some pick up picked up some accoutrement as time's gone by. That's fair. I mean, he does pick up a sledgehammer afterwards. Yeah, gotta be cool, you know. About fire safety, <laughs> among other things. <laughs> no, I just think he's got like this, like sort of spiked gauntlet that he uses when he backhands people I'm, and stuff I'm like that. I'm just saying, I don't recall that being there until it suddenly was that's all eh, i mean you know he's got a lot of stuff doesn't matter um so dread's clearly having a lot of trouble with the virus and grice says he's dying just like this system is dying man he gives some backstory on bundy her human feelings were burnt out because she fell in love and dread corrects him because she fell in love with psycho starling and killed 30 judges while I holding mean, listen, a block hostage she's not innocent we can all understand her situation she fell in love in a hopeless place Mmm. Dread punches, or Grice punches <laughs> Dread in the face, breaking his jaw, then hits him in the chest with a sledgehammer. Dread calls them all idiots, and then smoke bombs out. I mean, I feel like the the good kind of retort here would be, "Would you be my sledgehammer? Won't you call me my name?" And then he hits him with the sledgehammer, and he says, "Sledgehammer." See, for me, I just. Remember, you, you talked about Grice wearing the chief judge thing, the chief judge's um, thing, like a title belt. And now I just, and now I'm just thinking of Grice's Triple H, which seems right because he does oh. do a lot of these long promos. <laughs> and also just does the like XD, like throw my, throw my hands in front of my crotch kind of thing. He, he definitely would crop, crotch chop for sure. Suck it, Dolphin. And you know what they did to Bundy on Titan, this business. <laughs> Burned you out all human feeling in this very ring. All right, anyway, <laughs> Dread, Dread smoke bombs out. Grice goes crazy demanding Dread be recovered or he'll kill all of his guys. Down in the escape hatch, Dread has been saved by Walter. Ah, oh, get out of here, Walter. Come on. How? So I have so many questions about this. So... Okay, cool. I get it. Walter's here. No. But also... Not cool. Uh, no, it's not cool. I don't <laughs> like it. But it's like, okay, I'm Walter. Try me. Right on his cock, by the way. That's been there forever. That's that's the, a defining character element of Walter is that this yeah, is Walter trying me. Yeah, but it is the cock. most defining character of Walter when the bottom half of him is black. And the top half of his cock section is white. Live it up, you know. And then he drops bombs. Again, yeah. Judge Dredd, it's like if you're killing people as a robot, he doesn't like you. Right now he's fine That's with true. it. That robot's going to die. That This robot will we be only killed. only hope. Will be killed, yeah. thankfully. So... So, Walter carries Dredd down the corridor of the sewer. Stop! Leaving... Booby twaps no! behind to stop any pursuit. No. He can be wather ruthless, Fox. Conrad. Dwed leans on Walter, but there's trouble ahead. A wampage of undercity twogs. Conrad. <laughs> Next time, death dance. <laughs> so here's the question I have for you. Are the balls that he leaves behind his poop? 
Nah, I bet he just got some purpose-built explosive balls that he got using the money that he earned from his time as a used <laughs> robot salesman, as we've seen in a recent Judge Dredd uh, I, yearbook. I'm just saying that if a robot were to make a poop, they'd want it completely sealed within a metallic object, right? That would be highly yeah. irradiated, um, which it clearly is. I'm just saying it, it tracks. Yeah. It tracks for Anyway, I'd say, like, bleh, I liked Inferno at the start, or I, I thought Purgatory was interesting as well, but it's getting a little ugly at this point. I don't know. I don't uh, like them saying bitch all the time, Fox. I don't like all this violence that's being done towards women in the course of this story. I mean, a woman was literally ripped asunder, but... I'm just... What I, it's what just, I, it's what feeling I a bit less fun, this is what is I want to say. I didn't expect Walter. I, I don't think yeah. I would have ever expected Walter... Like yeah, I didn't expect Walter, and I mean that as negatively as possible. Oh yeah, don't no, like me Walter. too. It's like me Anti-Walter saying like Walter sentiments running wild. It's like me saying I would have expected Maria, right? Like Oof. I didn't expect Walter, and he's here now, and likely going to save Judge Dredd, even though Judge Dredd, I guess, is you know. I mean, he's not, been weakened not, by the meat virus is basically not the why killable. it has to happen. Not killable is really yeah. what I'm going to put forward here. I mean, he got facial reconstructive surgery that didn't reconstruct the top half of his face. You know what I mean? <laughs> like It's a whole thing. Uh, I don't know how to feel about where this is going, but I am glad that it's in Carlos Scares' hands. It's okay. I don't know. It's fine, here's what I, except here, for the poop that says, have a nice day, and then it explodes. That's weird. <laughs> That's just, I feel like he just, again, he just probably bought those at the booby trap store, I, to be again, honest. Again, I'm going to assume they're poops, and it's kind of like you or me. Like, hey, I uh, like if you pooped on somebody's- All right. Uh, like, uh, I'm just saying, and then you drew All in, right. have a nice day. Like, where are those coming from? Because for a robot, that's Fox. coming from an, a, a place. Fox, all this talk about poop has made me feel like <laughs> you're really trying to avoid discussing our next throw. I just... <laughs> just reaching for anything. But you're also reminded of things. So let's oh. get it over with. Oh. With Thrill 2, Big Dave. Do we have to? Yep. Script robot Grant Morrison and Mark so Miller, welcome. art robot Steve Parkhouse, letting robot Steve Parkhouse. Here we go. Okay. Hard hey, man, remember big Princess Dave. Diana? Hold on, we haven't gotten there yet. We're still remembering Saddam Hussein. Hey, remember that uh, people of a different persuasion than you exist? Mm. So hard man Big Dave and hard special envoy Big Terry are in Iraq to take out Saddam Hussein, his deadly alien love, uh, love gun weapon. The boys arrive at an army base and find all of our brave troops turned into flouncing gay stereotypes. Oh, God. Dave and Terry give them some knuckle sandwiches, but suddenly a bunch of flying saucers they, come zooming in. But, but what you're really not saying is why they gave them knuckle sandwiches. You're gay, you know, therefore yeah. we should punch you, right? Yeah, punch him out of it. Yep. So 
<laughs> the troops are useless, Ugh. so Dave and Terry have to get stuck in on this fight. Terry with the machine gun and Dave by lobbing his dogs at the saucers, I guess. What? Dave does do some <laughs> shooting himself as well, though. Ugh. Soon the pair have destroyed those and are fighting their way to Baghdad, so Saddam activates the love gun and hits Terry directly. Oh, no, he's gone all gay. And then oh, shock horror, Dave s- does as well. So horrible. And then also, I guess you've got hit by the beam, but don't worry. He's lad enough to, I yeah. guess, not worry about it. Dave tries to overcome the love gun heterosexually, but is overwhelmed by thoughts of kissing dudes and getting a pet cat, then passes out. I, I really, as somebody who has owned cats throughout his life and dogs and chickens and pigs and whatever i i really don't feel that the animal that you own directs your sexual competency dave but, would, hey, big dave would disagree uh, it's very clear because he's got these very muscly dogs that are screaming at him constantly <laughs> Uh, Dave comes to at the mercy of Saddam and his alien friends. Dave will serve in my harem. Um, Terry does his makeup and holds a purse as Saddam demands that Dave kneel before him. But Dave breaks. He beats up the guards and starts kicking the crap out of Saddam. But then decides uh, it's not worth it and sticks his his dogs on him. Into his penis and uh, testicles, Conrad. Mm Mm-hmm. He then headbutts the aliens and tells them that they don't want any peace or happiness here on Earth. That's for poofs. And the aliens bog off back to Mars as Dave punches a restored Terry in the face. You let me down seriously, Terry. But they fist bump it out and prepare to beat up all of Iraq. But then the people are rejoicing. They're so happy. They're waving Union flags and greet Dave and Terry as heroes. Carry them on their shoulders as posters of of Bovril, Marmite, and voting conservative go up on the walls. Hooray for Big Dave. It's just like, why is this for kids? And also, we did it again later. So... Take that, you wily snake of the desert. It, are, is, is is Iraq in this case then, I guess, just um, Wily Coyote and the Roadrunner? Is the Roadrunner actually Iraq? Mm, I don't think I so. I don't because like this. All I'm saying is I feel is like, like they'd like, say that meep, we've meep. beaten Iraq several times, you know. Meet me, like, here we are. And everything's fine, but also don't use Acme fist bumps in order to accomplish the mission. I don't know what's being said here, Conrad. Indeed. Well, I mean, I want to talk a little bit more about, like, both the response and the reasoning for Big Dave in our next episode when there's sort of some nerve center stuff to sort of go along with it. Fair. I mean, Fair. I, will, I will say let's, a let's big do it thing. There. Like a big, I, I, I do want to say that a big answer for your sort of who reads these, who's, who's this for, who's reading this and stuff, or, or for kids reading it is that, you know, 2000 AD is an older publication at this point. I think we saw somewhere that the average reader is about 15 or so. So this isn't the six-year-old that likes dinosaurs and cowboys from 1977. Mm. Indeed, it's that same six-year-old who you know, whatever, 16 years later now is, um, like, you know, in their early 20s and likes birds and, you know, is, I mean, but, um, uh, but, has but, a, has opinions about, um, or, or, and, um, doesn't like political correctness, you know? But, but in that argument is, 
hey, I wonder why we're not getting new readers. Maybe it's because we're not trying to. I mean, this honestly is, again, I kind of want to talk about it next time, but this feels more like a push for new readers. They're trying to um, appeal to, like, something we don't really know about because we're sort of in our walled garden of just 2000 AD is there's this comic called Viz that's also very popular at this period, which has a lot of this sort of anti-PC, like making fun of everything, being offensive kind of thing. And Big Dave is clearly trying to do a do a follow of that and like, you know, push these boundaries and make fun of sacred cows, etc. And missing the mark. Anyway, shall you we? Know, I mean, that's that's the point for debate for sure. So new story for Big Dave in the wreckage of the Nelson <laughs> Mandela block. A mustachioed version of British te- children's TV character Postman Pat arrives I know. to deliver the mail. So, so, Conrad, I know Postman Pat. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know if you grew up at the, like, or, like, had the same, uh, like, cartoons in, like, you you remember, like, USA and all those. Yeah, yeah. These would be, su- yeah, like, so this British stuff would, in some cases, like, in the on like in like cable in the U.S., we would get some like British and Canadian or and Canadian uh, kids stuff as well. So, uh, like, I saw Danger Mouse at like five years old, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that same block, which was like the Saturday morning cartoons before the mainstay block of like here's us selling you like robots to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, there'd be like Danger Mouse. But also Postman Pat, like once in a while in circulation. Count Duckula, things like that. Oh, Count Duckula was great. Or or like um, Trapdoor. What's under that trapdoor with yep. Burke? You're a fool if you do. Um, but yeah, so this guy, so we see a uh, mustachioed version of Postman Pat delivering the mail with his black and white cast, cat Bess. Man and cat make their way through the block as terrifying noises fill the corridors. But in the end, it's only Big Dave having a shit while reading the Sunday sport and eating cornflakes. So he's just pooping, and then he also then takes all the letters that this guy has, and then... Yeah, well, the the postman's here to, to deliver... Dave's copy of Titbits. Oh, but then the dogs get a hold of Bess and kill her pretty gra- like pretty disgustingly off screen, bad times. And the bad times get worse as Dave rifles through Pat's mailbag, but doesn't find his Giro. Um, and Giro. I think I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Gyro, Giro, G-I-R-O. Just but Giro. that's Giro. Yeah. I, th- I know that's the sandwich, but in this case, it's also the uh, the British term for uh, welfare checks that gets sent out to people. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't actually know that. I thought he just wanted a Greek sandwich. No, no, no. No, no. When you're on the dole, Fox, you get the money for it via your Jiro, which gets sent. It's like sent. No, it's yeah, like I a know, shortening I, no, thing about an international mail thing. You get the money for thing. the coconut. You get yourself together. You yeah, exactly. Get your money for the coconut, and then you feel better. I think it's lime or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> he dumps all the mail in the toilet, and when Pat doesn't have Dave's Jiro, um, Dave dumps Pat in the toilet. Oh, no. As the dogs mm. fight over the best the cats remains. Mm. Dave's pissed, especially when he sees the queen bragging about how great it is being the queen on the telly. 
Dave's had enough of this and heads out to straighten things out because he wants his 36 quid. Meanwhile, outside Buckingham Palace, the press waits for the arrival of Charles and Diana here to announce their plans for the future. The royal couple was currently separated, I should tell you, Fox, in 1993, though it wouldn't actually get divorced until 96. A Rolls Royce pulls up, and the press is amazed to see both Charles and Di smiling for paparazzi photos. But in the car, we see that actually Diana has replaced Charles and the rest of the royal family with lifelike robots. With the help of Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York, a.k.a. Fergie. Oh, God, if only we had foresight. Soon the monarchy will be hers. And Diana, I should mention, is drawn sort of political cartoon style with a big old nose. Uh, yeah. And the narration boxes constantly call her a gold digging pro. I like this really feels explicit versus... I, yeah, I, it's well, I mean, not subtext. It's it's people having an opinion. I mean, about- it's subtext. It's subtext because this is stuff that would appear in like like this is the phrasing and all the narration boxes. I should say throughout Big Dave generally, they're going for like the style of a headline in some of the like trashier like uh, tabloid newspapers of the days. Your your son or your sp- or your daily sport or something like that. Something that's a really big deal in England at this time, which would take a very you know jingoistic reactionary view, very like pro military, very pro monarchy and stuff like that, and so. You know, portraying Diana this way, referring to her this way and all that stuff is very like, you know, it's a reference to like the media landscape of the time, basically. Like it's it's the equivalent of having a narration box for um, for American sensibility. If like there is a story being narrated by like Tucker Carlson or something like that, like in that in the way that he speaks and goes through things. But I felt like she was a critical darling, at least like as somebody who didn't who didn't have a conscious mind. Let's say, um. Mm. Diana, I, I don't know. She was I always feel a like, critical darling, I feel like. No, that's not true. Okay. Well, I've learned something I mean, today. Diana was like, uh, you know, I, I, I'd really suggest um, the podcast you're wrong about. Like like, like that podcast okay. had, a, had, a, had a five-part series just sort of about like both myths and misconceptions and stuff about Princess Diana that I thought was pretty interesting. Just sort of going through her whole life and marriage and all that stuff. Um, but honestly, Diana's pretty, like, I mean, you know, God, I don't, this is like a field of our podcast. But while I definitely feel like she was lauded and beloved in America, I feel like she's much more controversial in, in England, actually. And like the way that um, the press responded to her and was so rapacious in their pursuit of her sort of had a lot of ups and downs, I guess. I'm not a biggest, the biggest scholar of that, but... You know, she's a she's very controversial so, and not so, universally loved at this point. So a lot of people felt like she was just digging in it for the money. Yeah. At the time. Yes. Or that like she was sullying the even, crown by being in the news and stuff e- like even that, or being throughout there. Drastically changed over the course of very few years. 
Well, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you know, it's hard. I feel like it's hard to get a good I'm barometer just, looking I, at it from the past what I'm because so much, like that, the stance, so much of that changed when she, uh, when she died and stuff like that, you I, know? I suppose the, the point that I'm making is the stance that they decidedly took, regardless of this being a satire comic, was maybe not the right one. I mean, I think they're trying to reflect what the what the thought at the time was, what the the care, you know, again, this is sort of the satire piece of it, what the what the people they're making they're making reference to um in the text boxes in the style of Big Dave and stuff like that, how they would see um Diana and and her and her her conflict and marital strife with Charles and stuff. I, well, I suppose my conflict is more with Charles and less with whoever he decides to pretend to marry but well sure that's yeah but i'm not you know i can't talk about <laughs> or i don't want to talk about the you know the ins and outs of the of the of the reality versus the we, comic itself we are not, i guess we are not sh- specialists in terms and so of, i'm just of i'm your, just of, of the yeah. of the general monarchy however i'm just saying marry that, who you want to that, marry easy yeah i'm d- I'm just saying that this comic is like it has jokes, but those jokes are very opaque to Americans in 2021. And so I'm just well, trying and, to explain I, some of the backstory no, so you can course, like so we can course. sort of understand them and where what the thinking would be in, in well, 93 to some very for some very British stuff. <laughs> from from my perspective, however, it's more of like looking back at this because that's kind of our our perspective, right? Like we're yeah. looking back on these things. Yeah, as I'm we just trying to give, give 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 some of the context yeah, for it, course, I guess. Of course. And I and like well done. Uh wrong side. <laughs> When it comes down to brass tacks. Well, yeah, but again, like, I feel like taking a stridently anti, even at the time, taking a stridently anti-Diana over Charles' um, view is, like, a comically wrong opinion, you know, or, like, one that, like, really? Like, you're picking Charles? Okay, buddy. They they did make Charles a mannequin, or, or, excuse me, a, 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 a puppet. At that point, yeah. right? So no, he's a joke. So, it's a whole so thing. clearly, the whole thing is a joke. Like I get that part, right? Like all of this is a well, joke. But then, then, you know, no, no one can know that like Diana's going to tr- die tragically <laughs> in four years. Oh no, that's when that's they're making sort of, this one. That's you know? sort of what's hilarious about reading it is like, oh yeah, you guys said this. You gonna bury it? Yeah. You gonna bury it anywhere? But, You're mean, never gonna talk about it at your. Like, I mean, I mean, I will go to a comic convention and be like, "Hey, remember that one time?" <laughs> I mean, it's why Big Dave probably won't be reprinted anytime soon. I'd I imagine. don't think Big Dave will ever be reprinted. But this I is will bad. say, I will say to the brief for Big Dave of taking down sacred cows, having an insulting comic about Princess Diana is take is tilting at a pretty big sacred cow you know i mean i just if you think about it eh? can you anyway all i'm saying is can you imagine this coming out now of course not but i feel like that's also the fun if not if not i'll tell you i'll tell you what i could see fox though position is indefensible let me say that i could see a very similar thing coming out about um harry and fuck um, Megan, you know about those about that part of the royal couple, right? Sure, but also then twenty, which years, would be a similar, but, a similar, say, 
a similar like you know outsider princess that but, the but public the doesn't like point, kind of thing. Twenty years after it would come out, does it hold up? Is a question that you should ask the initial writers. Was I mean, this I think- something that was actually substantive versus you? just trying to do something for a lark. All right. Yeah, well, I mean, that kind of like, okay, listen, hold on so I can get mega power over, or so I can throw power overload and, re- and read you what their response is, Fox. We got to do this now, I guess. No, sorry. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm being because, specifically political because, because I do believe that this is some bullshit that I don't necessarily understand, but I don't agree with. It's like, look, you can, you can make this tirade of a comic, and normally I but, wouldn't be this... Uh, I'm trying, like, I'm trying to say that, like, you know, the, the, again, the joke is, like, you know, the, like, it's not, like, the direct joke is, like, you know, on people that are very pro-monarchy and stuff, which I, I I don't know, I appreciate that sentiment. I I I don't care for the royals myself. I understand the joke. It's more of that, did you think this was going to last? Because you made this thing that will literally be understood like they put this into the world by yeah, choice I mean, and, I mean, I'm, and i I'm don't not... think the joke was funny to begin with that's all i think it's a little funny i don't know i like, I like the i like the I, I i gotta admit fox i really like the over the over the topness and ridiculousness of the narration boxes throughout big dave just in general I think that they are ridiculous, and in the same way, when I do my Alex Jones voice and talk about microchips and the vaccines, well, it feels okay. very much in the same but, in the same vein. But that's like saying that the things that Alex Jones says are funny. I yeah. don't like Alex Jones, right? Right. I feel like so, that's what they are saying. Well. I don't think that's what they are saying. That's what someone who watches Alex Jones and finds him funny to say, right? Like well, Alex like, Jones doesn't find it funny. So yeah, but when uh, again, but like it, but I mean, it's to me, I don't. I I I understand. That I mean, I'm I'm telling here. you, I'm telling you right now, Fox. I love this conversation that we're having. Morrison by the and way. Miller are say are doing it to make fun of like the beliefs and things that they're saying. You know. Like when I do an Alex Jones impression on this podcast, I'm usually saying exactly things that Alex Jones says with very little hyperbole, you know, and sure. I'm doing it to make fun of him in the same way that they're sort of doing that in this comic. You know? I, I well, but that's the thing. It's like, I wouldn't know that. Yeah, reading I know. The I'm, comic yeah. book. Right. I know. That's why I'm telling I, you that I, that's the well, case. No, what I'm saying is like, I know that that's what they're doing. I don't think that that is so good comedy. You 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 read like why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? Whatever, right? Like if a if a joke is funny, it is funny regardless of context, right? I don't know. A I don't joke, know if that's true. A joke is incredibly funnier given context, right? So if I don't know the context. And I don't know that this is going to be a joke. And after the fact, when I reread it, it's still not funny or it isn't funny anymore. Is it an effective joke? Right. I mean, I feel like it's getting into subjective territory because I got to again. I'm again, I've I've found several parts throughout Big Dave to be funny. 
I, like I'm I don't shocked. Find like funny. there's things I do. Listen, I like that he was pooping, and that was kind of funny. And there were some poop jokes in there, uh, like, but that's you know, because poop jokes are funny, right? I, I just like the I like the hyperbole and the like sort of the over the topness of these ridiculous opinions. You know, when again, when the narration box is called Diana a gold digging pro, that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thing to say, and it's funny because it's so like over the top. You know, this like the stuff that we'll get to in this final part of this session of this section, if we ever do talk about it, is there's some funny stuff in here. Just how ridiculous all the royal family is. You know, when we see the robot queen mom and it's just a trash can on spider legs, that's pretty solid. Like, I don't know. There's there's jokes in here, you know. Sure. I, I listen, I'm not saying, okay. you know what? I'll take your point. I love big dave now okay well like listen i'll just do the recap if you like you know no 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 i'm being I'm if being... you just like if if, if 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 that's what's gonna be i'm happy to i'm happy to continue the no, show no, no, but no, like no. i'm i'm not being I, 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 like the reason I, I say that is is that like look i i believe that there is something to be said in big dave right i mean in, i just think it, the it's time but like i think it it's just still that it's funny it's just that it's like it's political humor from 1993 in England, which is opaque to us, you know. And like, I I don't know. I did some looking up, and I sort of read some things, and you know, I've I've got a little bit of a sense of it. And so, to me, I can sort of see where the jokes are. It's like when you watch a Saturday Night Live sketch from like the 80s or something like that. You know, if you when you get the political stuff, if you don't kind of know what's going on with Reagan and them, you know, that week then it'll lose some it it loses some of its bite or some of its like comprehensiveness you know highly fair that is incredibly fair and this feels very similar i guess well no and i think that that's a lot of us looking at these things as a time capsule that we're kind of pulling up right yeah well i I just feel like i can't hate the people who did the thing right like that's not my intent here it's more of me saying is this funny okay yeah and i'm saying that like listen it's not a timeless classic like when did the chicken cross the road but i think that you know it's because it's political it's very in the moment that like you know there is absolutely there's yucks to be found i i agree with that i agree with that what what while there are parts that i think are not cool i don't like you know i feel like the some of the aggrandizement of of big dave goes over the top and like i don't like his brutishness etc like that doesn't seem really funny to me but some of these things i think especially again so this listen, royal stuff listen, I think man, is pretty we, funny. We There's we some opened, army stuff next time that I think is funny. We like we there's opened, jokes to be had. We opened on him taking a shit. And you know my humor. I laughed right, at yeah. that. Right? Like so Sure. There, there I'm just are, saying that there's there others are, that there's All right, go ahead. Oh, sorry. There there are things that I feel like are fruitful here. I I may not understand them 100%. That's where I agree with you. Yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm trying to explain some of the jokes, I guess, because, you know, we were talking about this sort of time period stuff. There is sort of some extra pieces to it. And, like, 
you know, I was hoping to do this a little bit more next time just because I was going to sort of prepare some, like, some of the things that Grant, that, uh, that, that uh, Morrison and Miller have, have, have talked about the story. Because they, because, like, Thrill Power Overload, the book about 2000 well, no, we, AD, we, goes we will talk pretty in depth and sort of responses to Big it, Dave's uh, criticism and stuff. Well, no, exactly. So I, I, I'd like I'm to go simply, over that then. I'm simply opening up my can of problems with it, not so that they can be answered, but so that we as a podcast looking at this from the future looking into the past is not one of placation but one of honest review sure yeah i'm just again i'm just I, trying to... i find it to be offensive i don't find it to be funny right yeah. like that's See, I guess... that's my review of it but i guess i i agree oh, that, no. that doesn't mean that any information that i get at that point doesn't admonish it from anything right sure i guess i'm trying to say that i find it offensive and i think there's humor to be had in there as well well like, but there's, I so, think there's that's something valid. in here and like you know also like i don't really care about respecting um the british royalty anyway <laughs> 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 on the on Fox the, the on a, listen we come yeah. from a place where we literally said nope so I mean, we said that 200 years ago, and in the result, and in the ensuing last 50 years of a very pro monarchy, pro English monarchy stance, if not to rule us, at least to watch television shows about it. I mean, so speaking of offensive things, on a sightseeing bus um, in London, a bunch of Japanese tourists are blaking pen taxes as Dave and an old codger in a suit <laughs> despair about the state of things. I forgot that we were talking about old Dave still. Yeah, well, this is part of why I've been so frustrated for the last 30 minutes as we've discussed this, Fox. Um, hopping off the bus, Dave enters Buckingham Palace through the same door that, um, ho- that castle intruder Michael Fagan used in the 80s. And is also, of course, used by the various secret tarts and toy boys of the royal family. Going de- And then deep in the royal basement, Dave finds a locked door. And inside, it's the bloody royal family, isn't it? The Queen, Princes, Philip, Charles, and Andrew, even Prince Edward. Though Dave does knee Edward in the balls, because we've got to have some homophobia in here, I guess. They explain the situation. Stephen Hawking helped build the robot doubles, apparently. And they need Dave to stop Diane and Fergie's evil plan. Even the Queen Mom thinks so. Dave just wants his Jiro, and in the end, Charles says he'll give Dave the damn 36 pounds if he helps out. So he's in. Meanwhile, at the High Life Bar and Restaurant, Fergie and Di are messing about with some blokes. When Diana gets reports that Big Dave is on the scene and has found the Royals, there's no time for that, though, as the party commences. Later, Fergie is getting in a fight with some um, lady over a drunk guy and Di um, decides to smoke a cigarette and activate her robots. Destroy Big Dave! And here's where we see that the Queen Mum bot is a uh, trash can with a hat, which I think is pretty funny. Anyway, next time, Double Trouble. I'm (laughs) pro-robots. And we'll finish up Big Dave as well um, next episode. Actually, all these summer offensive stories we'll finish finish up next time. Finish up, like, finish. Big Dave's We will come back for some Big Dave in the future. Anyway, let's wash that grossness out of our hair, Fox. I'm tired of talking about Big Dave. I'm tired of talking about politics. You know what I want to talk about, Fox? What do you want to talk about? Dino Deathmatch. Thrill 3. Slaughter Bowl. Ugh, 
fucking finally. Oh, thank I'm God. I'm loving Slaughter Bowl. No, that, that, if there isn't a fucking secret hint here, Slaughter Bowl, I love you. I want to kiss mm. you. I want to smooch you. There's so much text here that I had to read, and I read all of it. I love you. Yeah, John Smith. Script robot John Smith. Art robot Paul Pert. Letting robot Ellie DeVille. In Whitefish, Montana, Stanley Mata sleeps in his death row cell, thinking of happier times, carving a Christmas turkey for his family. There's a moment of him laughing and holding a knife quite oddly. Anyway, soon he's awake and getting some implied prison rape in the showers. Good times. Bad times. We yeah. cut to sportscasters in Plainview, South Dakota, where the slaughter bowl track is being built full of dangerous terrain and booby traps. We learn that the players in the slaughter bowl must be death row convicts, but anybody then can sign up. Stanley gets his prison Christmas dinner so as I, other cons. I, I, do oh, have, I do have a question for you, Conrad. So Yo. is it? only death row inmates or can anyone sign up see this is what i mean like i i get what they're going for i would have already signed up to have my own dinosaur and maybe to have been eaten by a dinosaur yeah i mean but sadly you don't have the temperament for death row uh, level crimes so it will ever ever be denied you so what they're literally saying is that if you want to do this thing you have to murder a person and and show complete contempt of their ability to live. <laughs> yeah, it's hard out there to get. I mean, presumably, Fox. I would bet that in this reality, there are also non-slaughter bowl based dinos that you could get. All I'm saying, Conrad, is that though maybe I would, not I would ones with you, nukes attached to their arms. I would want you to be my weird floating baby. I wouldn't murder you. But I would Thanks. premeditate a murder. I, like I'd even eat a person. You would, you would murder generically. I well, like I'd even go full Hannibal if it meant that Ooh. I could get a dinosaur eventually and a. That's just because you deal. enjoy fine dining, Fox. We all know it. I mean, listen, a fine Chianti, <laughs> some fava beans. Maybe mm. I make a man eat his own legs. Like, listen, I'll do Ooh, the whole. Brain. I'll do the whole gamut. I've watched. Yeah, I've watched. Hannibal, the tale television show. Uh, the fact of the yeah, matter, so, the fact uh, of the matter is, is that Conrad, I would want you to be my floating baby. Back at you, buddy. I feel like we are kind of each other's floating baby in the course of this podcast. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> so the other cons gossip about who signed up for the slaughter bowl, and that the winner gets some amazing prizes. But honestly, Mister Throat's pretty tough competition. Stanley eats alone, but then the warden wants to see him, as it seems Stanley's medical insurance has run out. They're going to pull the plug on his wife at the start of the new year in a couple days. Stanley faints, and when he comes to, he finds that someone's left a belt in his cell to hang himself with. Meanwhile. Mr. Throat is hover fishing and listening to the other weirdos, um, to the backgrounds of the other weirdos that have signed up for the game. There's the freaky deacon. There's a serial killer ballet dancer. There's a dude with multiple personalities. But Mr. Throat isn't worried. Back in prison, Stanley starts to hang himself, but then remembers his beloved wife. And we get a good look at her, and she's looking pretty bad, honestly. And in the end, he can't go through with it. Instead, he calls a guard and asks to enter the Slaughter Bowl. This really feels still 
all kind of manipulated, especially given mm. his circumstance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mysterious forces forcing Stanley well, to become to join the Slaughter Bowl. Didn't put all those people under his floorboards. Yes. I think. I mean, certainly says he's innocent. Yeah, yeah, totally. In South Dakota, a plane is letting off the Slaughter Bowl participants. Most come off in straitjackets, but Stanley's got this whole heavy-duty Hannibal Lecter thing going on. Apropos. He tells the reporter he's here to make money for his wife's medical expenses, and we see her lying skeletally in bed. Stanley's 200 to 1 odds to win. Mr. Throat is 6 to 4. We learn that contestants get $500 for each second they're alive in the game, plus sponsorships and special prize things, though Stanley can only get 50 bucks from Kidderminster's Barbecue Relish. Let me get my throat. This barbecue sauce pretty good. <laughs> The cons get trained instantly by Info Squirt. I guess they've been matrixed here. And <laughs> Info Squirt. Uh, it's yeah, gross. Definitely gross. And then they go to pick a dinosaur. Stanley picks a yellow Parasophilus. Parasaurophilus. Yes. Called You're fine. That he calls Myrtle. And it's one of those ones with the big bone thingy coming I, off the back of their I'm, head. I'm going to tell you right now, it was a good choice because that thing literally, like the bone on the top of its head, at least if we were mm-hmm. to extrapolate, it's like, oh, they, they smash it into other things. Here's the other thing about it. Um, you lodge that into something, like let's say mm. a body part, and then you pull your head up, your neck having a whole shitload of muscles, and that thing having a whole shitload more. You're ripping things out. Like, yeah, it's Be cool. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> more, um, most contestants pair up into teams, but no one will team up with Stanley, so they give him Rolf 3000, some kind of pink floating clone child, I guess. Be my floaty baby, Conrad. Please I be am, my, I said. Please be my floaty baby. I need you to be there and say, like, can we get nuclear devices, yes or no? I feel like I do do that. Next, they choose weapons to replace Myrtle's lopped off arms, but suddenly an alarm goes off, and it seems one of the contestants has tried to make a break for it, but was bloodily killed by Mr. Throat's T-Rex Nielsen. Bad times indeed for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stanley prepares for the bowl, feeling like broken glass against a sharp, cold world. Everyone starts making final prep, but then a contestant named Chandra snaps and attacks the steward, and they gotta break his bones to finally sedate him. After that, though, things go well. We meet a few more contestants, including a sexy Bible salesman named Spook, the co-joined twins, the Nancy boy, boys, and the thrill killer DJ Jackmaster Chill. I do like that there is a disc jockey whose whole job Always. is to get in, to get eaten. <laughs> yeah. Soon the contestants are lined up in stalls on their dinos as the seconds tick down. Stanley is nervous and sweating, but he's got to do it for his wife, Deirdre. He exchanges glances with the terrifying Mr. Throat, and then the race begins. Right away, a guy in a triceratops hits his tripwire and dies. Fox is pretty excellent. I So um, I loved that in terms of it's like, listen, you've got these big dinosaurs, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got fast dinosaurs, right? Yeah. Who moves out of the gate first? Literally murders you. 
Great yeah. way to start a match. And I like that it also kind of goes a long way to explaining different dino choices. You know, why you'd pick something that's not a T-Rex, essentially. Like, you know, or, the different dinosaurs. Or has dinosaurs. like a small stride, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's have speed and size advantages, basically. I, again, like what I love about this, and I think that you and I both agree, this is sci-fi sports. And while they don't explicitly tell us what the rules are, we're learning the rules mm-hmm. along the way, which I'm fucking completely fine for. And the rules are minimal as well. Exactly. It's like you have to run to this pit up ahead where you can actually buy shit, right? Yeah. Uh, Definitely. Hey, you can die. You can die. Oh, yeah. Just off, of, just off of the initial choices you made. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Totally. You absolutely One thing can. I- Why get a Triceratops? It's got huge fucking hooves. They are cool. One thing I really want to call out, too, is just that um, this whole story, Slaughter Bowl, really feels like John Smith doing a really amazing uh, John Wagner imitation, I guess. Something that I know John Wagner really likes to do and that I love seeing him do it is just this um, like sportscaster type narration over scenes of extreme viol- of extreme and absurd violence you know we really saw it like in song of the surfer for instance with chopper yes um we've seen it like during that one part in the judge child quest for instance but it's something he really he's done so much that i have to assume he really likes to do it like you know we've seen some of the things in modern times like roy the rovers from him or something like that and that's what John Smith is, has been doing in Slaughter Bowl and now really kicks up to the next level as the Slaughter Bowl itself actually begins. Is just this rapid fire sportscaster coverage of like these dinos de- fighting and people dying and stuff like that. It's pretty neat. And I think it's a really cool way to present this stuff. It's really fun. I, I like, so this is. I like I love discovering things about the match, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, like we already know he's uh, hyper obsessed about his wife, who is definitely dead. Like nothing that he's <laughs> doing, we already know nothing that he's doing is going to bring her back to any sort of manageable reality of life. Maybe mm. I'd like that would be a. A, a great consequence of all of this. What I'm looking for is the square off with him and Mr. Throat. Yes. I am excited, I'm excited as about that too. fuck. I'm excited as fuck because I'm kind of rooting for Mr. Throat. Mr. Throat's I, okay. He's the best. <laughs> he just wears a thong all day and just appears on camera in his thong. He's like, yeah, listen, I'm going to drink some laminate right now. Look at me, drink this lemonade. Yeah, kill these pandas off like this, and now <laughs> totally. I'm done drinking this lemonade. I'm gonna go out to uh, these pandas. I'm gonna shoot all these pandas. <laughs> yeah, we see a blue dinosaur seems to get out ahead, but then it's suddenly just crunched in an explosion of blood by Mister Throat. He's one mean sob. I guess he's so cool. I love Mister Throat. <laughs> the slaughter bowl is underway with Mister Throat and his partner Shehu in the front. We learn that the weapons on the dinos are useless without getting some cash or power-up tokens. Oh, and- God. Power-up tokens. This all says video game to me. I want this. I Gotta make want it. this, Conrad. The first of the waypoint 
on the uh, on the course gets the most money and thus potentially the most firepower. Stanley hears an explosion and is showered in meat. And at the urging of Ralph 3000, he snaps to attention. And with thoughts of his wife in his head, it just goes for it. Powering ahead of the others and approaching a scoring tower, hitting it and earning a valuable $100,000 bonus. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. The announced team checks in with Deirdre's doctors. With money in the bank, they can start the various surgeries that'll save her life. They'll be giving live updates as they go through. And it seems like this is going to include a full torso skin removal, which seems like a lot. But they'll just have to drop their tools and close up if they run out of money, even if they're in the middle of surgery. It's it's literally the most... Uh, so I love this because that's how dystopian it is. It's like, well, listen, like I'm being paid by the minute. Yeah. This story set in 2030. So maybe not the dinosaurs, but this view of the NHS could be coming to you in nine years. Folks. All, right, Whoa. all right. All right. I mean, listen, the U.S. <laughs> wouldn't even have this question at this point because you'd have to be working in order to get it. Mm. Back on the course, we see several dinos fighting it out as DJ Jackmaster Chill arrives on the scene, gets eaten, and we see him slide down the dinosaur's gullet. At the pit stop, Mr. Throat is filling up on ammo and steroids, the former for his dinosaur, the latter for him, and Stan, as Stan and Rolf debate what kind of weaponry to get. I, Mr. Throat's I, already Mr. back, Throat or, and, uh, and Rolf says... is on the field. Yeah. Rolf suggests tactical nuclear weaponry. And Mr. Throat's already back on the course. He's mad, bad, gonna have himself a ball. No, he juices on the field. He's like, hey, listen. Yeah. Oh, you thought this was the T-Rex? Let me pump all of this yellow liquid into my body. Thank you. I'm now insane. He knows how to party. Next time on Slaughter Bowl, blood and dust. Is this not Conrad? I actually have It's fun. I have a question for you. So mm-hmm. like we've we've seen you and I space age mm-hmm. just sports. <laughs> yeah. Now here is my thing. I don't like why do they need dinosaurs? Why do they need to replace dinosaurs like body parts? I don't care, right? Where where we watched yeah. Harlem Heroes, it's like we get it. We we know how all of the scoring works. We know all of the bits and bobs. I feel like I enjoy not knowing and then having it unfold, which we've had mm. we, we've had that before, but it felt like it was placating. Whereas this is like no 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 look, we already know like the first part's a race. The race, you get to the thing, and then you get a bunch of ammo and basically get to kill people. Like, I don't know what's coming next, and it's kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. But on top of that is Mr. Throat. (laughs) Mr. Throat is not just the identity that I want to somehow bring into, like, literal tons of things that I've done. I want to be... I want to be called Mr. Throat because he's just so like, he's like, yeah, man, everything's fine. Like, hey, look at all this stuff. Like, yeah, of course I'm killing these pandas and drinking a tropical drink. 
I'm going to have a, a cigar. And now I'm going to inject myself with what is literally Tyrannosaurus grade <laughs> stamina. <laughs> like, all of this are things where I'm like, when I think sci-fi and sports, I want this kind of detail. It's yeah. so no, it's fun. It's so good. Now, I want to ask you this one question, Conrad. Yo. Would this work without dinosaurs? Mm. Would they be like in cars or something no, like that, I, it do you doesn't, think? It, it doesn't particularly matter. I'm saying, would this work? Like, would the story work without dinosaurs? Yeah, I think so. I think that you'd, I don't think you'd want it to be a foot race. But, like, I think if you had some other kind of conveyance in here, it would be fine without the dinosaurs. Like, if they all had, like... Like, if it you know, was if you your kind own of, arms being replaced with, like, giant plasma weapons. I'd say and... less like that, but more like like a, like the, the, the remake of Death Race, where they all had, like... I mean, this basically is the remake of Death Race, actually, with uh, Statham or whatever, where they just kind of have, like, cars that then have machine guns mounted on them and stuff like that. I think that'd be basically the same. You get some extra, extra visceral thrill by the fact that people are getting eaten so, by dinosaurs. So, so wait, I want to discount wait. Hold, that. Hold that on. Hold that on. Is it made maximally better because there are dinosaurs involved? Oh, absolutely. Mark. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying they're essential, but I'm saying that they're a very nice extra element. That's, certainly. That's kind of what I mean. Is that it's like it's if I was watching Hell Hellfire, uh, whatever, like. Uh, was the second version of of um, Harlem Heroes? Oh, Inferno! Inferno. Yeah, with the motorcycles. If Inferno involved dinosaurs, I think I'd be more bought in. But what makes this fun is that we get insight into. Well, it's not about the dinosaurs. Like, yeah, they're dinosaurs. Like, no, whatever. Incidentally, di- inc- incidentally, there's dinosaurs. Exactly. It like, look, it could be anything. It's just a large monster, and realistically, it's about filling them with guns. <laughs> I'll definitely say that there's there's very few action stories that can't be improved by just tossing in a random dinosaur or two. I, I guess I, I suppose my point is more of that, like. I love that they are dinosaurs, but I feel like the dinosaurs are incidental. It's more like yeah, we absolutely. attach guns to these dinosaurs. Yeah, no, and, the dinosaurs are more there for fun. Brutally attached guns to these dinosaurs. Yeah, because the the like the you see like this like mask on the on the dinosaur that what's his name? Who cares? It's not Mister Throat. Like, it's like, oh, they're passed out. We're going to remove their arms and replace them with guns. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, it's so stupid. It's so hilarious. Like, the whole concept is hilarious. And it just keeps going. Like, I don't know where this is going. I don't know what the rules are. I don't know if I care. It's fun stuff for sure. I'm super excited for t- to see your response to the uh, to the climax of Slaughter Bowl here. It's is very, it it's going very to neat. be a leopard with a man's brain inside of it? Sadly, the days of Mean Team are gone, Fox. Though Mean Arena reboot is um, like I think two episodes from now. Oh, Not next episode, like but one after that. I don't. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> well, you know what? If it's more of of this, I think I might like it. 
Mm, you're right to have trepidations, but we got to move on from Slaughter Bowl, Fox. I I'm sorry no, to say. We can talk about Slaughter Bowl the, the rest of the time. We, I, do- we could, but we won't. Instead, we move on to non-thrills, covers, and nerve centers. That's fine. Yeah. Why not? Prug 844, Cliff Robinson draws Dread and Janice, engaging in blazing combat in action-packed cover. Uh, Dread blocks a bullet with his day stick, which I think is a pretty cool mm. move. In the Nerve Center, Tharg teases an announcement about the Dread movie and mentions an interview with Grant Morrison and Mark Miller in this month's Comic World magazine. What I'm surprised then- by is that they don't actually divulge much about the slick portions of everything. Right, like for the movie and stuff, yeah, I don't exactly. think they know that much about it. That there's, I don't think there's much to talk about at this point, honestly. So they, they haven't even locked in Slick at that point, then. Well, no, they have. I mean, they have Sylvester Stallone. Who do you mean? What do you mean by Slick? I don't know what you mean by that. Slick is Sylvester Stallone. No, yeah, they talk about Sylvester Stallone in this thing, but that's all they have. Like that's all they they know that Sylvester Stallone's going to star in it. They know that William Wisher is going to be writing it. Sorry, that's what I'm about to get to. Yeah, because after Dread, we've got the official (laughs) announcement of the Dread movie starring Sylvester Stallone. And they've got like a headshot of Stallone and the the time they put it. The one thing that they don't know is that they're going to have literally the world's worst comic relief. No, I mean, they don't talk about Rob Schneider. They don't talk about Diane Lane or whatever or anything else about the acting and stuff. They don't even they don't even there's not even a director on this project yet. Right? Like, oh, God. <laughs> the deal has been signed, but it's vaporware. I mean, the movie's not going to come out for two more until summer of 95, and we're in summer 93 right now. So, you know. Huh, that's only two more years of our life. Some time between then and then, then and now. Um, I should mention that they do bring back a, uh, a feature they had in the 1984 Dread Annual where they put a bunch of, they glued a bunch of Dread helmets onto various movie stars, and one of them was Stallone at the time. Really? Then, but in fact, in fact, the article's mostly pictures of uh, cosplayer Una Mengi, who I'm happy to finally get a name to. Ooh. Um, he's the cosplayer guy. William Wisher, as I, as I said, was mentioned as the screenwriter, and we're two years away. So, you know, we'll get periodic updates as we get closer to the date. Mid-issue, there's a full-page ad for a Jurassic Park comic strip by Gil Kane and George Perez, and an ad for... Outlook magazine with a cover featuring Bjork and a free cassette featuring bands I've never heard of. I love seeing a young Bjork. God, she's still beautiful to this day. And she lives in a castle full of cats. Hey, get that, get that swan dress out of here, buddy. <laughs> the input page has pictures of a pinhead prime minister, hell major. You voted. We came. Uh, letters ask for advice on what to do with their life after GCSEs. Discuss the finer points of vegetarian dining. Joke around generally and accuse Thog of looking like Reg Holdsworth from East Enders. The prog ends with an angry-looking pinup of Friday by Simon Colby, and Friday will return next episode. Prog 845, Ryan Hughes draws a flashy, really and truly cover. They are babes in arms. In the nerve center, past Tharg is enjoying the calm before the summer offensive is released in a weird time-traveling nerve center. He's like, ah, yes, for you, the summer offensive has been out for four weeks, but for me... We haven't released it yet because we prepare these progs several weeks in advance, blah, blah, what blah. The fuck? Yeah. 
Listen, I don't know. Thurg also demands that people stop sending him unsolicited future shocks. Come on, get out of here. Mid-issue, there's an ad for some fairly sweet Batman action figures and vehicles. And there's also an ad for a Tharg wall clock with the rosette of Sirius forming the clock face. And I would like one of these if someone has one lying around. Literally not as cool as like a a bat uh, flotation device that also can put on Two-Face. No, no, give me that that Tharg clock. (laughs) Also what? What? Are you there? Huh? I missed what you see. He said also, but then you were quiet. Oh, I no, I made a fart noise. Oh, jeez. This potty humor, oh, et God, he likes fart noises. There's also an ad page for a bunch of comic book shops, as well as personal ads um, that are both selling complete sets of 2000 AD and wishing birthday messages to someone named Steve Trumbull. And they list 1,400 pounds for a full set of 2000 AD up to Prog 845. That's healthy. That's uh, a, that's an expensive amount for those progs. I feel like, I mean, now we can get it for a lot less. I mean, you can get it less per Adjusted for inflation, 1,300 pounds is quite a bit. I always point, there's an eBay, there's a pretty consistent eBay listing for a complete set of 2000 AD, which is 2,100 pounds at the moment. But that's also for more than double the amount of comics, you know? Hmm. Because I think that's what, that's from 1 to 2,100 versus, you know, also, 1 you'd to need a fucking salt mine to store all of the... I mean, I would definitely, you'll definitely whatever. at least want to get like a special like drying room or like like a humidor to put them in because I would worry about them for the, about them catching a light pretty pretty quickly. I mean, they're going to catch fire regardless. <laughs> the input page is a picture of Mario and Luigi, the Super Mario Dreads. I, I honestly, I thought this was pretty inspired. Yeah, it's good. Letters are excited about the 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 dread movie. Ask about the term "grud" on a greenie. Try to get their letter printed, and there's more discussions of dread casting. The prog ends with the Steve Parkhouse pinup of those merry wives of Windsor with the slutty caricatures uh, of Princesses Diana and Fergie. Prog A47, to further celebrate the movie announcement, we've got Oda Mengi um, appearing in full dread cosplay on the cover here, designed by Steve Cook. Love his grimace. I'll I'll be honest, really nails it. Yeah, no, this is a really good cosplay of this, for sure, of a a comic book dread. Like, prior prior to Dread 2016, best dread. Well, I would, you know, this is a very faithful comic book adaption, you know. I do not like Sly Dread. You and I have had conversations about this. Like, Sly (laughs) Sly is fine. Uh, (laughs) There's so many problems with that Get that that cod piece in here, buddy. That's what I want. Nope. Cod piece it up. This particular, uh, like, thing, uh, I, I, it felt authentic, Coming into this, I mean, yeah, I would say this costume is very true to the comics in a way that none of the movie dreads have been. You know, there's sort of elements in both movie dreads, but yeah, not as not as crazy as this. No, I agree. It it feels like it is an amalgamation of the things that we see in the comic books, as opposed to either an over representation of them, which you see from the slide dreads. Or an under-representation of them, which you see from 2016 Dread. 
Mm-hmm. So in the Nerve Center, Tharg plugs the third reboot of this year, The Autumn Attack, which we'll see next episode. The input page has a picture of Judge Richard O'Brien, chief of the Crystal Maze. Letters insult friends that don't like 2000 AD. A 2000 AD reader has had a fight with her boyfriend. And another says the progs have more thrill power than her boyfriend. There's some hard questions about... That's fucked up. Yeah, listen, freak out. There's some hard questions about Dredd's helmet. And they ask where Dredd keeps all them fancy bullets. The... Prague ends with a pinup for the clown, showing both happier days for the performer and Toby the Pony. And it says coming soon, but we won't see it till spring 94. Man, that's such great news that I don't have to read that until... Not for a little while. A little while from now. <laughs> Prague 847, a rare word light cover with just the name of the comic and the name of the cover boy Maniac 5 on it as he shoots a billion bullets off screen. There's also... A teaser for the upcoming Thrill Cannon Fodder, which we'll see in November of 93. The input page features the friendly folks of Good Company, and letters worry about Dread getting watered down like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. A lady reader likes the Gronk how, and cute boys like Feral and Revere. How Sorry, is what? it? How is it that they... Uh, like, I feel like the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it wasn't like a widely known comic prior... Yeah. To get watered down. But so Not unlike 2000 AD when you compare it to American culture, buddy. Oh! Fuck. Step back. <laughs> um, letters ask for more armored Gideon, and there's a couple nitpicks with nitpicking pendants, pedants, I should say, with spelling corrections. The Brug ends the pinup of Judge Dredd. Gideon? Mm, neither. Well, no, actually, I'm interested in the next story. It's going to be fun. The prog ends the pinup of Judge Dredd by skin, skiz artist Jim Bakey. And I like that he always draws Dredd with this heavy five o'clock shadow. Kind yeah. of a, a dog-faced Dredd, you know? He's, he's When does he have time to shave, I guess? In he's the, got a tough life on the streets, man. Yeah, Come man. on. And that five o'clock shadow comes in every hour on the hour. No need to side tape. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Listen, he just grows it naturally. He doesn't have to take any beard-enhancing drugs or anything like that, Fox. Nah, man. He, as soon as he goes to bed in his nap pod, it shaves his fucking stubble as soon as he gets in so that he can be above board. But no, Absolutely. Jim Bakey, I like the, the lighting and everything on this is great. Definitely, yeah, I love Bakey. He does a really fun dread in these pinups he's done. He's, he's he's in a couple of these, and they're all pretty fun. He also doesn't do the the tummy uh, badge. Nah, it's on a, the nipple. Gives a nice high a nice high badge. That's what we're that's what what we're looking for. You know, if it's on the tummy, I've got a problem. Yeah, if it's on the tummy, then it's not yummy, Fox. That's what oh, I say. God, okay, this podcast is over. And let's finish it off with a great, with a thrill that I really like, Fox. Wait, no, the opposite. Let's keep doing the podcast, but I don't like this thrill. I it's know. thrill four, really and truly. Do you, I mean, you you can decide not to do it. No, I can't. No, I know. It's our thing. I, I signed a contract in blood, Fox. The problem in is... In your is blood. Is, that's why we both got to do it. Yeah, no, that's my problem. <laughs> you did it with my blood in your blood. It's tough, you know, but here we are. 
Sketchy by Grant Morrison, art and lettering robot Ryan Hughes. And I got to say, I'm not a huge fan of Hughes's lettering because it's small. He write his letter, his letters are smaller in this comic than say Ellie Deville or Annie Parkhouse's lettering on either but, side of it in but, the comic. It's harder well, to read, but well styled. Right, it is hard to read. I agree, but well styled, like in his own font. Yeah, you know? I guess points points on for effort, points off for readability, I guess. Yes. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so really really and truly are headed from their communist base of Teslagrad uh, through Central America to uh, deliver drug music on the West Coast. Uh, They're near some Asian ruins in Panama and her truly has them pull over so she can pee, but suddenly they're set upon by Aztec birdmen. Before they can attack, a goddamn beatnik appears, quotes some poetry and typewriter face and scares the birdmen off. It's like the time that I've been to multiple fucking, uh, like, parties. It's just the worst. It's like, oh, yeah, no, uh, okay, so you've been to, you know, Light Shed in the American Desert, uh, like, fuck you, I'm this weird guy who's gonna read poetry to a bunch of high people, and you're the dude who has to fucking make sure they get back in the car. He's scuba trooper, and he's looking for a ride. I Truly mean, is happy to provide one. I mean, just <laughs> Sorry, a, what? Just do a bicycle instead of a car, that's all I mean. Hmm. Meanwhile, in the city, Boss Buddha is learning about really and truly's mission is not pleased. He orders them killed well, when what, they like reach L.A. So what I don't like about this is he's not pleased, not because this thing isn't finished. He's like, listen, I was about to reach pure enlightenment and then you came in. Just fucking kill him. And now I'm going to go back to enlightenment. Like, who? Uh, he's not a threat. He's just like, kill them. Oh, his goons could be a threat. We don't know. I'm just not into it, I guess. That's fair. I'm not. It's not like I'm into it, but I'm like, not, I'm I'm not like arguing these, back. I like, these ladies, like, I do other I like these ladies and their affect, like what they're doing with themselves. But man, oh man, like everyone else around them, I'm like, Scuba Steve, great. Hmm. So really and truly, they're supposed to head to the Midsummer Freakout in San Francisco, but I guess Midsummer's also in late October because they bumped into a Dia de los Muertos parade in Mexico. Conrad, also, if we ever go back to California, we need to start a big thing in California called the California Freakout. Fair enough. Midsummer Freakout. I'm ready. I think that it would be on fleek. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so also taking place in 2013, I guess. Yeah! <laughs> we got to embrace the old meme culture in order to embrace the new meme culture. Whoa. So they're pounding beers and Scuba really digs the scene, man. Meanwhile, really is zonked out of her head on this drug called Void, which literally I, no, makes you disassociate gets, and a ghost you floats above your head watching not, things happen. It's not complete dissociative because you have an umbilical that is from you to your spirit body. So you're Freak still out. attached. Yeah. You know, but it's it's not just organic, man. It's snap, 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 metaphysical. <sighs> anyway, it's all cool until Scuba Steve recognizes a weird yeah, house shaped like a clown. Yeah, until Scuba Steve, fuck this guy. Ruining my it's eye. It's the house of fun. He's ruining my eye. It's 
starts to scream the lyrics of Don't Worry, Be Happy, and the crew piles into their car as Captain Nice, the leader of the House of Fun, tries to destroy them. They'll run, but the bridge is down, he says, really and truly drive away as the house runs after them. Smushing parade floats as it goes. Get ready, because they're going to the bridge, which is out. Oh, this is a drag, man. Scuba pulls a gun from the back seat of the car. As Captain Nice says, it's okay if some civilians get killed in the chase. Oh, great. Thank you. And has armchair travelers launched. It's a bunch of clowns in flying easy chairs with machine guns on them. Why did everyone's hair change, by the way, Conrad? Was there a reason for that? That everyone's gotten out of... Okay. So they just did that. Yeah. Scuba shoots one down and sees the bridge is out, but truly is too drunk to be scared. They keep driving, jump the bridge, and land safely on the other side of the gap, so whatever. The crew drives through the night, and Scuba realizes that he's got the wrong map. And so the crew, and then the crew passes a sign saying, Welcome to Anyville. Oh, man. (laughs) And Anyville is an idyllic 1950s town full of robots roboting about. Really and truly exp- it's uh, not. Whoa. Mm. Really and truly explained the plot to Steve as Johnny Zhivago has found a Native American dude named Bill Kickingbird, who explains that this town was going to be a nuclear test site, but it was never used. So someone tried to turn it into a 50s theme park, but failed. I guess sort of a Disneyland time well, Johnny Rockets like kind of thing. There's this whole firewater subtext. He does I mean? also. They offer him a beer and he says, oh, you know, Indians don't usually get along with firewater, well, yeah, but I'll no, take it's, a gander. It's a real bad thing. This is a bad I'll, smell. I was going to skim over it, honestly. <laughs> Look, I mean, you can cut it out too if you like, but like. No, that's oof. fine. No, not cool. Anyway, it seems Boss Buddha's goons are after really and truly, so they decide to split up. Scuba and Johnny will continue in the car with the drugs to SF while really and truly take their guns and get in a speedboat as a decoy. This involves going through the flooded remains of Los Angeles next time on Really and Truly. Hollywood! City of Angels. Do they or don't they know what they're talking about? City of stars. I was I was hoping We're for like We're going on a boat alone. Hollywood stars. Do they know? Do they not know? <laughs> what do they know? Do they know anything? Let's exactly. ask them. Exactly. <laughs> Let's ask them. That's what I want to have happen. Hollywood stars. What do they know? See, I just had a... I was, I was going for La La Land I, kind I, of thing, Fox. I know. I know you were, but I had to do uh, Hollywood Fair. stars. Hey, listen, we all have our own different kinds of insanity. And speaking no, of crazy no, dudes. No, no. <laughs> thrill five. Maniac five. Fifth thrill and fifth maniac, buddy. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Steve Yole, and Gina Hart letting robot any park house. I, I will tell you at the forefront that um, I didn't expect this to be a Mach 5 kind of thrill. Right? Oh, a Mach 1, yeah. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Mach 1. Uh, and then it was. It's like Speed Racer's car? What? <laughs> and then it was. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Mach 1. Yeah, back in the day. Died saving a gray alien I mean, fox. Listen, He's part of the conspiracy. Listen, they killed the guy because he was the thing. Like, great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. 
Ah, oh, geez, Fox, there's yellow aliens blowing up town and only the monstrous regiment of women in Maniac 5 stand between them. <laughs> Luckily, 5 has jumped into the body of Maniac 1, who's a giant tank dude and is now rolling around and killing all these dang aliens. Also, please oh, bring these children and also a lady into my compartment. So that I can anyway, have a Macola. Nah, Fox, because we've we're we aliens have flying things that were taken out, but nah, that won't stop me because I switch into Maniac Two, which can fly, and I'm flying around destroying these flying aliens. Yeah, exactly. The, sir, not like you said powers yeah once the once the planes have been dispatched maniac uh the uh, the survivors pile into the stately living room inside of maniac one to help themselves to pop well, and yeah, drinks but because you're not populating maniac two now which is the nah powers Mm. We hear um, reports that they found the alien mothership, so they warp back to Maniac 5 and head into the sewers to see what's up, slaughtering, or sorry, not the sewers, up a building to see what's up, slaughtering hundreds of aliens along the way. Bullock, the maniac pilot, then jumps to the sewers from 250 stories up. It's slaughtering time. Is it? Sure. Five falls deep into the earth, <laughs> swearing all the way. He moves towards a large heat source, killing aliens, and eventually finding a big blue hive kind of thing. Oh, but the, the hole of the hive is super thick. He can't break through it. But nah, but he switches to he, Maniac 3, who's bug-sized and can shift to become even smaller and go inside the ship. Oh, inside the ship, he finds the power supply and starts draining it, but also finds signs of a big, tough alien. And it's sneaking up on Maniac 5 now. It gets the drop on the robot warframe guy ripping off its left arm the alien smashes the war the war suits head into the ground and then toss it like a big onto a big pile of bones while monologuing about it it set up the world the war that destabilized the world and now it's going to kill all of humanity back at the base that general guy isn't worried though maniac five win the brain when it's done yeah, he'll Maniac Five always wins, but after he wins, they'll have to deal with Maniac Five themselves. By the not alien keeps letting mo- him be alive. Best way to deal with it. The alien keeps monologuing, so Maniac Five kicks it in its alien nuts and then pokes its eye out. Even though these aliens don't actually have eyes on them, like Xenomorphs, don't worry about it. They the also don't hurt- have nuts. They could. They could be interior in their exoskeletons or something. It doesn't matter. Their eyes could also be interior. Everything that happens to them is like, hey, if it's on a human, right? Yeah, totally. It's pop those nuts out of an armored plate. It's good times. The alien's hurt enough to be pissed and jams a rifle through Maniac 5's chest. At the base, Bullock's going into a seizure and this tech guy Brains wonders if wonders if they should maybe boot up Maniac 4, who's a brain in a jar kind of dude, but the general says no way. Unable to move, 5 transfers to Maniac 2 and comes blasting through the ground into the alien HQ and the whole place explodes! There's a big fireball and Maniac 5 calls in. Alien invasion terminated. Mission accomplished. Permission to come back to base. But the general says no. And then someone shoots Bullock right in the brain! I mean, yeah, the general. Yeah. We can, anyway, the women can take out the rest of the uh, alien guys. Let's pop some champagne. But the general thinks they should uh, have some respect for the dead. Although he says it in kind of a jokey way, so it's hard to tell. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Frank Bullock, Maniac 5, falls through 
an endless blackness periodically pierced by memories of the war he fought in and Maniac 4's necklace of ears to establish him as crazy and something to worry about. He's got to keep it together, as in the real world, the scientists around his body toast his corpse and call him a sucker. The general talks to the president. It's pretty cle- and is pretty clearly planning the deaths of all the people in this in this lab as part of a gas leak or something. But then there's a problem. That scientist brains with the hat is looking at a computer screen. Maniac Five is still alive. His consciousness got stuck. You see inside uh. the computer network, and now the Maniac Five war suit's still operational. <sighs> Jerry, bad times. I mean, it's, is this just a big, like, fucking Rick and Morty joke? Oh, I'm I'm behind on Rick and Morty. No, because oh, no. Jerry's the dad. So saying Jerry mm. at the end, it's like Jerry. <laughs> I think that's the name. Isn't that the name of like Maniac Four? I want to say it is. It is. I was just making a. I feel like Jerry and Rick and Morty would make an ear necklace if given the opportunity. For the record, I mean he'd make an ear necklace if it made his wife more approachable to him. <laughs> I feel like yeah, you know, earn some respect or something. Jeez. All right. <laughs> Soldiers come to fortify the base, but the general knows that nothing will I, stop no, Maniac 5 They're when he comes after him. They're just all going to die. They're going to die. Yeah. He starts freaking out, but Brains has a plan. Although the plan doesn't seem that great because it's just to re- resurrect Maniac 4. Maniac 5 is assaulting the bunker as Lady troops shoot guns at him, but it has no effect. He takes them out instantly. Maniac 5 is right outside the door, but Brains is successful, and suddenly a shadow appears behind Maniac 5. It's Jerry, that dang old Maniac 4. Nah, they're friends. It's fine. Next time, homicidal maniac. You know, the problem with Maniac, Conrad, Mm. is that it's just fine. Um, And in a worse situation, we would be like, Maniac 5, it's really good. It's pretty good. It's got all this stuff going on in it. It does. But when you have it's- so much bad going on and a decent amount of good, uh, like the art does so much heavy lifting from Steve Yowell and, and Gina Hart. Mm-hmm. It, there's a lot there that then lends itself to the text that's being written, but it's mm-hmm. such a boring story. <laughs> totally. It's the most boring yeah. story. It's just kind of mediocre, I think. I'm a guy who's a brain for a robot, but also my brain can be in many robots, but not the robots that already got a brain, but don't relive that brain inside of that one robot because that's bad, but then we got to do it. Exactly. I, it's just like, exactly. what's, what, what are the rules? What are the rules? Because you seem to be able to let this guy who's in Robot 5 be in all of the other robots except for the robots that he can't go into. Hey, Fox. You know what there... You know what What does have rules, though, for I, you? I know what does have rules because we laid them out far in advance of these ever coming to term. That's right. The rules of this podcast that say when you finish talk when we finish talking about the thrills, it's time to talk about which are our top and which are our bottom thrills. What do you got? Oh, Conrad. Conrad, Conrad, Conrad. You're asking me for what my bottom is. My bottom is Big Dave. I don't Fair. want to read Big Dave. I read Big Dave, and I don't like it. 
it's not good it is not enjoyable uh i am reading it from the perspective that i'm in now sure maybe if i was like a a 14 year old kid or a seven year old kid or a uh, six year old kid whatever like like maybe this would have meant something that the problem here is is that even if i was because uh in 1991 i would have been six years old right mm-hmm so this would have been 93, so I would have been eight years old. I wouldn't have had the wherewithal to understand the comedy going on at a political level. Sure. Right? So it's not for me. And even then, it's not all that funny other than man on toilet, ha ha ha. Right? So you're right. It is meant for these people who have read it and whatever, but it, it just doesn't, it's not good, right? Sure. It's not funny. That's fair. It's, it, it's just not funny. Let me put it that way. Whereas for Top, my man, I would love to put Judge Dredd here. I would, because it is good, except then Walter showed up. <laughs> and even with, if, if Walter didn't show up, even if Walter didn't show up, do you know what my top is? What do you got for me, buddy? Slaughter Bowl. Yeah. It's so good. Conrad, it's so good. I'm liking it a lot, too. It's so good. It's like, hey, listen. Like, okay. I, like, they took a little too long in the whole, like, hey, this guy is going to jail and whatever. And like, I'm like, why does this matter? Why does this matter? Why does this matter? I love Mr. Throat. As soon as he's thrown into it, it's so eccentric you know what mm -hmm. i mean like it's just like yeah. here you have to choose a dinosaur you can choose any dinosaur he didn't he could choose any dinosaur right and the one he chose is the one he chose and then also he got a psychedelic baby that has still an umbilical cord that also is garfielding him the whole time it's so good it's so good. It's it's the kind of stuff that I look for. And on top of that, it's it's about space slash sci-fi sports. And and I you know, we've had discussions where it's like, well, we want to know what all the rules are. We want to know all these things. We have specific platitudes that you and I talk about. I love that I don't know anything about Slaughter Bowl. <laughs> Every time I learn about the next stage of Slaughter Bowl, I'm like, oh, well, this is great. It's just a race, and you can also explode as soon as you come out of the game. Yeah. Well, I'll say what, God. like, yeah, Conrad, go, sorry, go Conrad, what are your top and bottoms? Because that I just want to talk about Slaughter Bowl all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my top is Slaughter Bowl. Slaughter Bowl's so fun, good. buddy. It's so like, good, Conrad. <laughs> I want to say just from the super from the future sports as for the future sports aspect of of Slaughter Bowl. All right, what I like about it is that it's not really a super no, like a few, it's, it's not, not really a sport, sport but right? it's it's because, as fun as it's like going down yeah. a slip and slide because so many of 
Because, like, so many of the times when we learn shit about the rules in sports because they're calling something back, right? Like, oh, that's a foul. Or here's a cliffhanger that this turns out to be voided because they've made up a rule about it, you know? This one's like, nah, man, there's dinosaurs and guns. You're going to die. All the stuff we see in Slaughter Bowl is additive, right? It's what you thought yes. it was. Yes. And there's booby traps. And there's like video game power ups somehow. It is. It is. And it's it, all for money. It is, and all this other stuff. It's. It's just. It's just a wacky racist, but also dinosaurs with plasma. And I'll say in general, this is one like this is one where I'm really thinking about like uh, Slaughterbow's collected in Extreme Edition 23, and I'm, I'd be interested to read that and just see this story in one big graphic novel, I guess, because. Yeah. It feel because just because of the way that Smith writes these sportscasters talking about things, well, and the, and the way, way that Pert looks. draws these. Well, sorry, can I go? Yeah. Oh, sorry, but just because the the way he draws it makes things feel very fast and put together, like and like cuts together and really builds up a lot of tension and stuff. You know, like you talked about the parts with Stanley in prison, but I really I thought those were interesting just to kind of create like this lowest point where <laughs> this mild manner character would join the slaughter bowl, you know? And like, like just creating this sketch of this like nebbish loser who clearly must be being framed and must like, has all these terrible things going on in his life. So there's something forcing him to join this game. And then he ends up being successful at it and stuff like that. I think that's a really cool narrative. Well, I, I love, like you said, all the violence and action and dinosaurs and all of it really puts together to be a really really ridiculous and fun Look, story. I, I think that the both of us know that he's either going to be the new Mr. Throat because the Mr. Throat is a fabricated idea or mm. he is going to die. But at the at the point where it's like, yeah, this dude with a ton of tattoos who roids out himself and his Tyrannosaur are going to kill you. And I'm fine with both of those those two outcomes. I don't think there's mm-hmm. going to be a revolution or anything. His wife's going to be I, like, I don't care about his wife. No one cares about it. It's more of just like this. This is the the it. My biggest problem with Slaughter Bowl until this point was it took too long to get me to here. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I understand what you mean. But I also really feel like, um, you know, really getting really getting Stanley down to his last his last thread last thread is pretty solid um and and took a little bit of time to do it i guess yeah and i think just packing slaughter bowl into a co- into like you know i think we'll have like like four progs total or something like that really both makes you feel like you're building up to something and then it's just a goddamn like, <laughs> like adrenaline uh, explosion to the finish yeah exactly <laughs> i love this prog or excuse me i love this thrill and yeah. and I I love that you put it as your top. And what Yeah, I'm I think it's it's Sorry, please. It's definitely the most fun for me and like I'm not really I'm not really feeling this dread story as well, so that's sort it's of fine. it was the main one in contention it's, for me. It is fine. It's just fine. I think that it's petering out, especially when Slaughterball is starting up and I'm like this is great. I want to want to read this i want to look at it i want to like i i read slaughter bowl twice conrad 
Yeah, it's our, fun. It is fun. It was fun to read. It's a it's a shoots and letters kind of thing. So here's what I want to know. So now that I know your top, Conrad. What's your well, bottom? Well, my bottom, I gotta, I, I gotta avoid solidarity this time, and my bottom is okay. really and truly. I don't, I don't really care for, like, as much as I would, ha- you know, as I did have a discussion, sort of trying to find the humor and, like, sort of, I guess, some of the thinking behind Big Dave. Really and truly, just kind of feels like it. It feels re- like it's a wet a, fart. Yeah, it's just kind of this retro road trip that I'm not really feeling, I guess. It's not really doing it for me. Plus, like, just in general, like, I don't really like stories about characters that are just doing a lot of drugs and stuff like that, I guess. I mean, well, so I think that characters doing drugs can have an impact on a story, right? I don't think that this story is about characters doing drugs. I think that the the story is about drugs, right? Wink. Yeah, I think, but like, e- e- even it, more it so. Like I don't know to say about the like they're running drugs, Conrad. Right. There is so much to say about that, right? Regardless of if you believe in it or don't believe in it, there is something you can say. But instead, it is a a kind of Scooby Doo chase sequence. <laughs> like it's like okay, so they're running drugs, but you're not saying anything about it. It looks great, a hundred percent. I feel that way. It's a good looking comic, but it says nothing. Yeah, I mean, I I like Ryan Hughes a lot. I feel like he's got this very like he does have kind of a retro feel or, or this like cartoony feel that I think is really neat. Um, but again, but just it what it's about, just, yeah, I just don't like it very much at all, honestly. Well, so I, I don't know what they're trying to say. What is it that right. they are trying to comment on? I mean, I think it's just kind of, yeah, like a kind of a, a druggy sixties pastiche, Frank and like road movie kind of thing, well, honestly. I mean, this like, is, uh, so as somebody who is fifties, they're mods, not hippies, I think, but as, whatever. As somebody who has definitely never done any illegal material, I will tell you that being in a car is not where you want to be. Right. <laughs> and, right. But I mean, and, and like, the impetus of what they're doing is like, we've got to send this everywhere. And we're coming from Colombia. It's like, so is this about cocaine? Because cocaine is a highly addictive chemical that is horrible for a lot of people, right? No, Not- it's music, buddy. But they are doing drugs along the way. So it's sort of a, it- it's sort of a on the road meets cannonball run or a, or a smoking it- the bandit well, no, kind exactly. of situation. It is a cannonball run. But it, but it doesn't have, like, a cannonball run about drug running would have been funny, right? You don't have to say it's cocaine or any of this stuff. It could be like, it's laugh gas or... Well, or like Smokey and the Bandit where they're trying to get beer to Texas or whatever. Exactly. Like, you mix those two things, this would have been interesting. Except then it's like, well, we've got a sideline to this poet and also make a comment about, like, Native Americans having a drinking problem. Which and there's like, like yeah. you can't comment on that. I, if I can't comment on it, like a fucking British person certainly can't. I think it's more, yeah, or even without the drinking stuff, just sort of a hey, we're on a quest, so we've met a, a mysterious Native American along the way. You know, that's who very much literally turns out feels like not a trope to be of this mysterious. Kind of thing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. 
quote unquote mysterious. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Yeah, again, I'm not no, a huge fan bad. of it. No, it's bad. It's bad. And it's definitely like when I'm reading the comic, it definitely feels like a big speed bump in between my real high and slaughter bowl and then like uh, like, like it's my just fine with like maniac five right like yeah, we're, and, and, we're trying yeah, to get to dread the, slaughter bowl and maniac five is where we're trying to get and everything else is in the way yeah between the the high highs of slaughter bowl and the just fine action of maniac five <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being just fine at the end of the prog Maniac I'll take five. just fine. Yeah, listen, you know? like, it's not offensive. It's like, yeah, we shot a guy in the brain. Slaughter Bowl. Uh, Conrad, can I just take a knee with you real quick? Oh, okay. Slaughter Bowl, I feel like, is a culmination of some of the things that you and I love, right? It is sci-fi. Yeah, there's not cowboys, but there is dinosaurs. Fox, Fox, I want to I, I stop you right now. Yeah, do it. Because... I feel like you're going to because I I don't want you to say all this and then we get to next week because I think you're going to um, really love love the the next two install okay. the uh, the, uh, the okay, climax good. of Slaughter no, Bowl. No, when you do that I get worried where it's like listen all of the dinosaurs No, no, are no. Just gonna get I don't shot want you something. to I don't want you to over I want you to praise correctly and for that you've got to see the complete you you you've got to see the whole picture, you know. I'm, I'm, and then I, I suppose I'm just saying like you know when we talk about finding golden nuggets, finding those yeah. gems like slaughter bowl is fun great yeah like i'm just saying that yeah. yeah i really want i really want to finish it up because i think you're going to be saying what you're saying now and maybe a little bit more oh, because i'm so excited oh it's Conrad, got a fun you ending got me so excited i don't want to build it up too much but i read i i've i read ahead a little bit and i'm like oh man this is this is fun <laughs> all right and on that ominous laugh, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As uh, well, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch, Google Play Store, Spotify, or a podcast site, spacebinner2000.com. Feel free to contact spacebinner2000 at gmail.com, the 2080 forums, or our Facebook or Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner 2K for everything else. Look up Space Spinner 2000, and we should be there. And why not drop us a rating, a review, wherever you're listening? Help us out a lot. Listen, this show is brought if to you. If you don't yeah. do it, I will come after you. Yeah, come on. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Robert Hardingham, and your friends in the 2080 Forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash That's our podcast network, and there you can support the show and receive a ton of excellent rewards. Come back next time, Fox, as we finish up all of our current non-dread thrills and start new adventures for Friday. Okay. Luke Kirby, the Gronk. Uh, oh, no, no, no. I don't want and that. And slain. Okay, that one I do want. Yeah, it's a okay. mi- mixed bag. Okay. And until, until then, I'm God Ready's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. I'm still doing this. Yes.